We are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, what's up, everybody? How you doing? How you feeling today? Oh, come on. Let's do that one more time. How's everybody doing today? Yeah. Well, how'd you do finding a seat today, right? This is the second time we've thrown a curveball at you and changed your seating up. So anybody, uh, anybody missing their old seat or, or, or have trouble finding a new seat? Yeah, I got a couple people here. So, hey, listen, we're in a series called Dysfunction Junction. So what better way to introduce a little dysfunction than to move the seating around a little bit? So, hey, welcome to church this morning. Welcome to Base Rise. I said uh, we are in a series called Dysfunction Junction. Uh, my name's Jeremy. I am the executive pastor here. Pastor Danny, our lead pastor, uh, is at our Rehoboth campus this morning ministering up there. And, um, you know, it, I, this earlier service, I, I, I told everybody, if you have never been to our Rehoboth campus, anybody here ever attended the service there? Yeah, a few of you. Listen, our Rehoboth campus is a very unique and special place. It is actually in the basement of a sub shop. Al Casapola sub shot. So literally you get to go to church while you're worshiping the Lord. You get to smell cheesesteaks being made. It's awesome. So uh, do yourself a favor one Sunday. Just take a ride up to Rehoboth. Maybe you want to wait till after uh, the summer beach season so you don't have to fight the traffic or whatever. But get up there to Rehoboth. Experience uh, that campus. It's a very special, special place. Very intimate atmosphere. Pastor Joel uh, is killing it up there. Him and his team are doing an amazing work. And um, it would be well worth your time to go up there and check that out. I um, want to welcome everybody who's watching on Facebook online this morning. Uh, we welcome you here. You are a part of our family. And uh, we always say uh, Bayshore's best experience here. But if you can't be here, the next best thing is on Facebook Live or on our church app. You can watch or podcasters if you're listening. Uh, welcome this morning. Uh, Dysfunction Junction is our topic. Pastor Danny over the past three weeks has been talking about this idea that in relationships and in our families and in any relationship in our life, really, there can be some dysfunction. Whenever there's two or more people together, there can be dysfunction in that relationship. And so Pastor Danny over the past couple weeks has been talking about this idea, how to identify it, how to manage it in our life, and how to get rid of some of the dysfunction in our life. But the truth is, is that a lot of us, we're just weird, right? We're just weird. We're a little messed up and there's dysfunction when there's people involved. We're weird people. And let me give you a couple examples in my own life of why we're 
weird. I uh, have this nervous habit that I do, and I've probably already done it since I've been up here standing. Um, I will, will just, without thinking, twirl the wedding band on my finger while I'm speaking. It's just my habit. If you go back and look at old videos uh, of me speaking here, no doubt there is plenty of this going on. But the problem with that is uh, a couple weeks ago, my hands, I guess I'm getting a little uh, uh, heavier in my older age, and my wedding band got too tight on my finger. It literally would cut off the circulation in my hand, uh, and I'd wake up with blue fingers. And so I finally was able to pry that thing off my finger one day. And um, so I don't have a, a wedding band on at the moment, and so I still find myself twirling this non-existent ring on my finger now. Uh, there, no doubt, later in the service, you'll see it. I'll, I'll forget about saying this, and uh, I'll go to twirl, and we'll be just uh, twirling an imaginary ring on my finger. So that's, that's pretty weird. I also, uh, I have this, this thing on my ear. Uh, my wife calls it a whisker, but it's this one solitary hair that is so thick and so coarse and grows so fast. It's, it's, it, it's extremely weird. And it's one of those things that when I start feeling it, like I can feel it starting to come up right now, like I can't think about anything else. Like it consumes my thoughts and I'm just constantly rubbing and trying to pick it and pluck it and, 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 and to the point where I finally go to my wife and I'm like, Reagan, you got you to gotta pull this thing out of my ear. It's driving me absolutely bonkers. And so, um, you know, there's so many more examples that I could give you of my weirdness. But I thought, you know, my wife who, who has to put up with my weirdness, she actually had to work today. So I figured I'd just talk about her weirdness a little bit this morning, if that's okay, since she's not here. Uh, uh, you know, my wife uh, is a great cook. We have four kids in our family, four children. And uh, she loves to cook. She's a great cook. And she'll invest all this time into cooking, right? I mean, uh, hours in the kitchen preparing a meal, and she'll do it perfect, right? You ever, uh, ladies or cooks, you know what I'm talking about, when everything comes together at the end and it's perfect and the roll uh, uh, timer's beeping as the, uh, uh, the chicken's coming out of the oven, right, and everything comes out right on time, hot, and she'll plate it up for all of us and, and she'll put it on the table and then she will go to the bathroom or go put in a little laundry or go make the bed. Or any number of random things, do her makeup, uh, go blow dry her hair, whatever it is. She has this weird thing, and I tell her all the time, I'm like, babe, why, why don't you sit down and eat with us? Because she'll come back 10 or 15 minutes later, and she'll go, why is everybody done? Well, I, well, I'm like, babe, we've been sitting here for 10 minutes eating, waiting on you. And so, you know, it's this weird habit that she has, and I don't know why. She does it, but it never fails. She always does it. I'll make her breakfast in the morning, and right, I'll put it down on the, on the table, and then she'll go do 10 other things before she comes down and, and eats the food for some reason. So it's weird. I don't know. Uh, uh, she also has this thing at night. Uh, we'll, we'll get together at the end of a day, long day, right, and we'll turn on uh, Netflix or whatever, and then we'll have like a bowl of ice cream or, you know, we've always got like a bag of Doritos or something near the bed or something we're, we're eating. But after we're done, she'll always hand me the bowl to my side of the bed. I'm like, babe, no, just, just you, can, you can put it on your nightstand. Put it over there. And she goes, I can't. I'm like, well, why not? That's pretty weird. Why can't you put it over there? She goes, I don't know. I just can't. I just can't do it. 
And so it's all, it never fails. If we're eating something in, in our room, she will hand it to me to put on my side of the bed so it's not on her bed. It's weird. She doesn't know why. And so to mess with her, I'll usually take it after she falls asleep and pile it all up on her, her nightstand. But we're weird. We all have some weird stuff in our life, right? We all do some weird things. So do me a favor, look at your neighbor this morning and tell them it's okay that you're weird. Now, look at your other neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, you might need to back off the weirdness a little bit, but it's still okay. We're going a little too far. So we're all, we're all a, little, a little weird, and it's okay. You know, another thing I believe that's in all of us a little bit is selfishness. Selfishness. We all got a little selfishness in us. You know, I, it took me a while. I tried to think of some examples of my own selfishness. It took me a little while, but I finally remembered a story. That was a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that. Uh, it did not take me long at all because I can be very selfish. But I remember this one time. You know, as I said before, we have four children. And this past lacrosse season, it was lacrosse and softball season at the same time. And so we had three kids in three different uh, sports uh, programs. And so there were many nights where there were three different events that we were trying to get to in three different locations for three different kids. And so your schedule gets crazy, right? And, uh, you know, my wife and I both work, and so we're trying to manage work and the kids' schedules. And, uh, you know, this particular day was a Thursday. It was the end of my work week. I'd had a long work week, and uh, Gavin, my youngest son, had lacrosse practice. We live in Salisbury, practices in Fruitland, okay? And so... Um, my wife texted me around 3.30 in the afternoon. Now, uh, any iPhone people in, in the room? Okay, I have, a, I have an iPhone. And I've got it set up so that, um, you know, when you read the text message, it actually sends a notification to the other person that you read it, right? And so I know this. But I also have it set up so that I get a preview of the message on my home screen. So... On this particular day, I saw the message pop up, and it said, can you take Gavin to practice on the preview? And I was able to read that there without opening it up. And in that moment, after having a long week and, and knowing that if I have to drive Gavin to practice, it's going to be an extra 45 minutes of drive time on my day. It's going to add 45 minutes to my drive. I'm looking at the message, and I'm wondering... What I should do, and, and I can tell you that this pastor put that phone down and walked away. Put the phone down and walked away. Because I knew, I knew if I didn't open it, she wouldn't know I, I read it. And so uh, I just acted like I didn't see it. I was selfish and didn't act it. You know, uh, the worst part about that selfish story is at about 5.15 when I knew she would have already had to have left and taken Gavin herself. I actually responded with a text and said, hey, babe, sorry I missed your text. <laughs> so we can be selfish a little. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay to be a little selfish. Just don't enjoy it. Don't enjoy it too much. So we can all be a little weird. We all got a little selfishness inside of us. And you can imagine, we're talking about dysfunction, when you take... People who are weird and, and selfish and then you bring all of their history and all their baggage along together and you put them in relationships together and you're, 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 you're doing life together. You can imagine how dysfunction happens, right? 
You can see how some turmoil and some dysfunction can be in our lives because we're all a little weird. We're all a little selfish. And so today what I want to talk to you about uh, is I would love for us to be able to lower our expectations. I want to, I want to have a, take a break and just lower our expectations a little for those who are around us, the people who are around us. Lower our expectations because we're all a little weird. We're all a little selfish. And then if we can learn to open our hearts to God a little more and let him help us learn how to allow our emotions to serve us and not let our emotions control us, right? We want our emotions to serve us, to benefit us, but not control us, not master us. Let's turn to the scripture this morning. Our our text this morning is going to be in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Now, James is believed uh, to be the half-brother of Jesus. And so if anybody grew up in a a good, perfect family, it would have been James, right? Right? He's in the family uh, of Jesus. So it should have been a good, functional family. But uh, James is writing to a group of believers, as we read here today, he's writing to a group of believers who are in the midst of their own dysfunction junction at the time. And so he's really calling out some issues that these believers, this group of followers of Jesus, are having. And so listen to what James says in verse 1 here. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now, how many of you have ever been in a fight with your spouse or son or daughter or a parent or whatever, a co-worker? And at some point, this fight, this argument, you stop and you're wondering, what are we even fighting about? Does that ever happen to anybody? Like things just escalate and tensions get hot and then all of a sudden you're wondering why in the world are we arguing? Why in the world are we yelling? And so it, it's easy often to just blame some very surface things. When we're in arguments like that. Things like, well, he said this or he did this. And so that's what happened and that's why I'm angry. But but what we're going to find out here, James is telling us, he's giving us some insight into, is that there are some deeper things going on. There are some deeper levels going on. And see how he goes on here. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You see, James is giving us some insight that there's more going on under the surface. It's not just the simple, obvious things. There's things, there's bigger issues than the war that's necessarily going on in your house or in your kitchen or in your office space. There's a war that is raging inside of all of us. There's a war zone inside of each of us. But first, if we really want to move towards healing in our families and in our relationships, yes, we have to deal with the uh, external war zone, right, that, that thing. But first, we've got to look inside. First, we have to deal with the war that is inside of us. We need to know that we have our own sinful nature. There is a tension. There's a push and pull of our own desires that must be dealt with if we're going to create a space that there's no dysfunction. So we want our emotions to serve us, not to master us. And point number one this morning, James is telling us, 
If we want our emotions to serve us and not to master us, we have to look within. We've got to look inside. I saw a story recently online, a crazy story. There's this lady, and uh, she was having trouble with her car, and she didn't know why, right? She's driving, and the car would not go over 45 miles an, an hour for any reason. It would, the engine would rev and roar. It just wouldn't go over 45. So she takes it to the mechanic. Mechanics are looking over it, can't see anything obvious. Finally, they, they pop the hood up, and, and uh, they open up the air filter, right, to check the air filter. And here's what they found in the air filter. Now, I don't know if you can see that or make out what that is, but that is peanuts. Peanuts. Look how many, this next slide, how many uh, they actually pulled out. That was like three to four pounds worth of nuts were crammed into this lady's air filter. And so they figured out that she was feeding birds in her backyard uh, these peanuts. And apparently some squirrel thought he hit the mother load. Grabbed up all of these peanuts to store for the winter and stored them in her air filter. And so it's this insane thing where uh, she can't drive, that the car is not working because of these nuts in her air filter. And here's the thing. Listen, wait for this. You're going to love this. We all get a little nuts under the hood sometimes. Come on. We all get a little crazy. Things are going on in our life and, and, and things aren't working the way we thought. Relationships aren't working the way we thought. And you know what? Sometimes we need to take a pause and look within. We need to look under the hood, see what's inside of us, see what could be causing these dysfunctions in our life. We look within Look within. We allow God to do the work in our life and, and to have humility to say that, yes, we get crazy sometimes. We get a little nuts sometimes. And we have this war going on inside of us, and there's this tension that we have to acknowledge and to look at and with God's help deal with. Uh, we have a friend of the church here who comes often and speaks, great friend, uh, Dr. Fred Antonelli. Uh, great guy. He comes and he'll, he'll minister here. He speaks all over the world. He's written a couple books. And Fred, you know, he's always talking about this concept of, of being not only spiritually mature, but also being emotionally healthy. That we need to be spiritually healthy and be emotionally healthy. Healthy. The reality is for a lot of us that, that we can be spiritually mature, right? We can know the Bible. We can pray. We can be a disciplined follower of Jesus. We can come to church. We can say the right things. We can wear the right things, whatever. We carry our Bible under our arm. And we can be uh, very disciplined and on the outside look like this mature, spiritual Christian. And yet emotionally, we can be infants. You think about that for a moment. Often, how we relate in our relationships, how we relate to other people, our spouses, our kids, our parents, our co-workers, whoever, the way that we relate to them, it's not often reflective of our spiritual maturity or our relationship with God even. It's often a reflection of our past and things, the, the way they were dealt with in our past, this dysfunction in our life from our past plays out presently. 
there's issues or things that we dealt with as we were growing up. Um, it's important to understand this because we can do everything that we know to be right as Christians, right? The list we just gave, whatever, you know, reading your Bible, praying, striving to be righteous, going to church. And yet we can still be frustrated because we have dysfunction in our lives. That, that you know, those, why do I lose it on my kids? Why can't I compromise with my spouse? Why do I get furious and get angry so quickly? You know, uh, those things like, like, man, my parents were so hard on me. My dad was verbally, verbally abusive to me. And I don't want to be that for my kids. I don't want to do that sort of thing. Yet I find myself here in this place doing those things that I said I don't want to do. And we need to understand, right, like, like the spiritual part of it is very important. Reading our Bible, being disciplined, praying, seeking the Lord, coming to worship, going to church. All those things are vital and key parts of our life. But we also need to grow and mature emotionally. We need to grow emotionally. We need to, to be able to do that. We need to look within. We need to look inside ourselves and allow God to do the work in our lives. The distinction here can seem subtle, I think, between being spiritually mature and emotionally mature, but it's an important distinction. Uh, this is how uh, uh, you can uh, know Christians, right? You, you, I'm sure some of you have met people like this who, who appear on the outside to be very spiritually mature, right? Uh, very disciplined in their walk with the Lord and uh, can say all the right things, can, can walk the walk and talk the talk of a Christian, and yet... When you meet and hang out with these people, they have no joy, right? They have no love. Uh, they, they're, they're, they're not grateful people. They don't have gratitude. And this is a person who ha is spiritually, right, mature, but can be emotionally still an infant. And so, uh, quite honestly, uh, this resonates with me because I was one of those people, right? I was able to to walk the walk and talk the talk and yet was still trying to uh, uh, grow up emotionally and deal with things emotionally in my life. So let's take a look back at, at James uh, uh, chapter 4. Number one, we said, James is telling us that we need to look within ourselves. There's dysfunction going on around us. First step is to look within ourselves. Number two this morning is you need to acknowledge and identify the emotion. You need to acknowledge and identify the, the emotion. Now, if you're a parent here uh, and you have kids, there is no doubt a throw-up story that you have, right? That time you were holding the baby up and the baby threw in your mouth or, or threw up in your mouth, right? Or, or, or I don't know, that time you were holding the baby, eating that steak, and the baby threw up on the steak. Well, I've, I've got a throw-up story that I think is pretty good, and it normally goes over good at, at dinner parties. So I want to share it with you this morning. Um, uh, when my uh, youngest was just an infant, so he's 14 now, when he was just an infant, um, we, uh, we had spent all day in Baltimore at the doctor's office, all of our kids, all four of us and my wife, and we drove home, and uh, we had just gotten home probably at 10 o'clock, and we had been, you know, in bed, gotten everybody in bed for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and we heard it start, Right? Our uh, older son, Chase, got up, was walking down the hallway, and threw up all over the hallway. We had carpet in the hallway. It was all in the carpet. 
It, uh, it stunk. Oh, it was so bad. And, and so my wife and I have an agreement, right? Uh, she can't handle vomit. I can't handle snot and poop. Okay? So we've got an agreement. I take care of the vomit. She takes care of the boogers and the, and the butts. And, and it's a great relationship. And so, uh, so it was me. I got up, and I'm going to take care of Chase, who threw up in the hallway. And, again, it was just it was everywhere. It was on the walls, this big, long trail. I mean, I don't know how he ate that much, but it was everywhere. And so uh, I'm cleaning that up. And as I'm cleaning that up, uh, our oldest daughter was in her room, and uh, she had bunk beds at the time with her other sister, and she was on the bottom. Uh, younger sister was on top. She sits up in the bed and throws up all over herself. Like, didn't turn to the side, nothing, just kind of sat up, threw up all over herself. And so at that point, I'm like, Reagan, I don't care. You got to get out of bed. You got to get past your gag reflex, whatever. Get in here, and I need help. Uh, you know, I'm like literally tearing up the carpet because it just wasn't, there was no way it was coming out. I mean, it was everywhere. I'm tearing up the carpet. She sits up and throws up. So my wife comes in, and she's helping. She's trying to get uh, uh, Aubrey all cleaned up and and everything, and literally she's there on the side of the bed sitting, helping her, and our older daughter sits up, leans over the rail, and throws up all over my wife. <laughs> I'm not, you can't make this up. It, it was horrible. And listen, I, I remind you that my wife can't do vomit. So guess what she starts doing? She starts throwing up. She's got vomit in her hair. She's throwing up all over the place. I, it was the worst experience of my life, I think, and I finally got them all in the shower and we're hosing them off, and it was just terrible. But here's the deal. Wait for this one. We all have stuff inside of us. We all have things that need to come up from time to time, and if we don't look, if we don't look within, people, if we don't look within and begin to identify, to acknowledge and identify the emotions that are in us. And we, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with these emotions inside of us, it's going to come up. It's going to come up in your life. And it's going to come up in the times and situations that you don't expect or, or you don't want them to come up. You know, bitterness from something in your past, jealousy from something uh, in your life. All these things will, at some point, they're going to come up. And like my kids and my wife that night, it's going to come up in situations and in times that you least expect and where you don't want it to come up. So we have to look within. We have to begin to acknowledge and identify what these emotions are in our life so that they don't come up. Let's go back to James uh, James chapter 4, uh, verse 2. Now, here's the thing. I love James. If you've ever read through James, uh, reading through James is like getting punched in the face. I mean, it just is. It's one of those, those books where James is direct and to the point about what we need to do and what's going on in our life. And I, listen, I love it because I love the poetry and the symbolism of the Bible and all that thing. But sometimes as Christians, we just need to hear it straight. We just need to hear it straight. Give it to me straight. And that's what James is doing here. Listen to what he says in verse 2. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't 
get it, so you fight and wage war to make, to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's James. Aren't you glad you came to church? Straight to the point. Heavy stuff. But he's reminding us here. He's telling us, listen, there is more going on here than meets the eye. There's a deeper level that these quarrels, these fights, these, this dysfunction that is going on around you starts inside. And it starts with uh, desires and motives that are in your heart. So we need to begin to look at those, to acknowledge them, to deal with them in our life, to acknowledge and identify you ever had a, uh, uh, an injury, right? Well, let me just let me tell you this way. So um, I was a grocery store manager early when I first got married in my 20s. And so we had a construction project that was going on, a renovation at the store I was managing at the time. And I, I probably have told this story, but you're going to hear it again. Um, it, uh, the construction project was really long, and we had these contractors that drove me crazy because they were always leaving their stuff out in the areas that they weren't supposed to leave it. And so one day I was back just grabbing their stuff and throwing it, you know, across the room into their area because it was in my area and it was in the area that I needed to work. And so I was mad and they had these big stack of tiles and I had these, uh, they're like 80-pound tile things. I'm just grabbing them and I'm throwing them over in their area. And so I went to grab this one. It slipped out of my hand. And when it dropped, you know, it's this box in the corner of this 80-pound box landed square on my big toe. I mean like dead center on the knuckle of my big toe. Man, it hurt so bad. I can't tell you how bad it hurt. And, uh, um, you know, I just kept working. I was just going to keep going and not worry about it and just uh, think about it later. And so I did that. But then eventually I went up to my office and, you know, I could tell there was like some liquid in my shoe. And I was worried that maybe my toe was bleeding a little bit. So um, sure enough, I took the sock off. It was soaked with blood and like uh, it was just nasty. And so, you know, I was like, well, I got to work. I got to finish today. So I wrapped it up, put my shoe back on, and worked another couple hours. Well, you know, during that time, the toe swells up real big, and it's all nasty. And so I finally get home, and I go, Reagan, I, I just messed my toe up today. Can you take a look at my toe? Because the, the cut was under the uh, toe itself, and I couldn't really see it. And so I took my shoe off real gingerly, got my sock off finally, and I got my foot up on the table for her to start looking at it. And she would, she would go to, like, grab it and, and, and look at it. And as soon as she got close to it, I yanked that, that foot back because it hurt so bad. I was like, oh, don't touch it. And she's like, well, I got to touch it if you want me to look at it. And so I put my foot back up. I was like, okay, okay, uh, go ahead, go ahead. And she'd get close to that toe, and I'd yank it back because I didn't want anybody to touch it. And so I, surely, like, You've seen uh, this with kids maybe sometimes if they get a boo-boo and they don't want you to touch it. And, uh, uh, in many ways, though, we have the same response when we are uh, wounded emotionally. And we can have these wounds, uh, these painful areas in our past, in our emotions. And when people begin to get close to that area, that area of pain, then we have this reaction to it. We have this emotional reaction to people getting close to that. For instance, like if you were abandoned by one of your parents as a kid, 
Maybe your dad wasn't around uh, for your childhood. He abandoned you. And, and so now you have a, a, a lunch scheduled with a friend and they show up late and suddenly those feelings of abandonment surface in you. And you're feeling this emotion of abandonment um, in your life. Or maybe uh, you were betrayed by somebody who was close to you in some way. And so now anytime somebody begins to get close to you, you start to push them away. You start to guard yourself so they don't get close. And so we have this reaction uh, that is in us where these emotions, if people get close to these wounds, then we, we pull back and we have this reaction. Hits a little too close to that wound. Um, and so if we don't address these things, if we don't identify and acknowledge these things, then um, they can show up. They can show up in all these weird ways. And, you know, the, the reality is, is that the uh, friend being late uh, to this lunch meeting has nothing to do with your father abandoning you. It may feel like it. It feels like it when, when this happens, right? It may feel the same, but really they are two very different things. And so when we talk about becoming emotionally mature, when we talk about growing in our emotional maturity, emotional intelligence. This is the kind of thing that we're, we're, we're getting at, right? Like identifying the emotion that is happening inside of you and understanding where it comes from and not allowing it to create dysfunction in your present life. Are you with me? This is what it means to be and to grow spiritually or emotionally. Now, uh, there's a guy by the name of Daniel Goldman. Uh, Daniel Goldman is a psychiatrist, I believe, and he's written all these books on emotional intelligence. And so uh, Daniel uh, gives these eight basic emotions that humans feel. And I want to show them to you because I think it's important for us to look at this. So as we begin to experience and identify and try to acknowledge like what's going on to create dysfunction around me? What is this emotion in me? Then we need to be able to put a name to it. We need to be able to understand it, okay? And so uh, these are the eight basic emotions that we feel. Anger, sadness, fear, disgust, shame. You know, and here's the thing that I think I want to just pause here and let you know. Shame, this emotion of shame. Often we can think that the emotion that we are feeling is the truth. But they're not. The Bible says that Jesus is the truth. He is the way and the life. And, and we can feel emotions, but they are not the truth. Okay? They can help point us to the truth. They can help point us to the wound or the issue in our life that we need to identify. But they are not the truth. So if you're feeling shame or guilt or remorse, know that that is not the truth, that is not from God. God has come to bring uh, life and freedom, not shame. So don't mistake your emotions as the truth. Okay? Enjoyment, love, surprise. These are the eight basic truths or basic uh, emotions that we'll feel. And, and they are good. Uh, you know, you don't look at these and say, oh, these are great. But these are good things that we have these emotions and we deal with these. Because like... Anger helps you with uh, addressing a threat, right? 
sadness helps you in processing loss. Fear keeps us out of danger. Disgust keeps unhealthy things out of our life. Shame lets us know when we are violating important things in our life. Love, enjoyment, surprise. These are some of the greatest things that we will experience in life. But when we've been wounded, when we have this past, this wound or this thing in our past, uh, these emotions can stick around. And if uh, unaddressed, unacknowledged, unidentified can, can come up in strange places. Um, what happens is, you know, again, we bring all of these emotions, all of these wounds from our past, all of these things we've learned from our past. And we, we couple that right with the weirdness and, and the uh, selfishness. And you put all that together in relationships and all these uh, people together. And honestly, it's a dangerous cocktail, right, of all these things. And that is how we end up with dysfunction in our relationships. The good news today, the good news is, is that James doesn't just leave it there. But he gives us a clear roadmap on how to deal with our emotions, how to deal with the dysfunction in our life. And so um, we're going to read here. But, but number one, uh, we need to look within. Number two, we need to acknowledge and identify the emotions. And number three, we're going to read here in just a moment how to break the pattern. How to break the pattern. We can break the pattern. There is a way to not let our emotions rule us or master us. And, you know, God can rule our lives, not our emotions. His spirit can direct us. But the problem is, is we just don't wake up that way one day. It doesn't just happen overnight. It is something that we have to grow into, that we have to mature into, that we have to learn. Because here's the thing, and I want you to, to really listen here to this statement. I want you to really listen to this. Jesus can set you free from the penalty of your past. And yet we can still be captive to the patterns of our past. Let me say that again. Jesus can set you free from the penalty of your past. Meaning what he did on the cross covers all of our sin. And yet we can still be captive to the patterns of our past. Let's break this down. Let's look at this a little further. When we get saved, right, we can wonder why is it that we aren't just better all of a sudden? Why is it that we still have things in our life that need worked on? Why do we still have rage? Why do we still have anxiety? Why do we still have all these issues that just won't go away. It's because there are patterns that have been established in our lives. And even though we may have been set free from the penalty of our past, we still remain in bondage to that, to that pattern of our past. But there is freedom available. God is willing and powerful and able and we can establish new patterns in our life. And here we're going to read as James, James describes this uh, very clearly here. James 4, 6 through 8. He gives grace generously. He, God, gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, here it is. 
Humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. This is our playbook right here. When we feel overwhelmed, when you feel overwhelmed this week in your life and, and uh, you feel those emotions inside of you and uh, tempted to lash out or to uh, respond emotionally, remember what James is saying here. He's saying, number one, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Take a minute. Look inside of you. Is this what's going on around me, this war that's raging around me, this dysfunction that is around me? Is it, is it because of something that is within me? Humble yourself. Look inside. And then he says, resist the devil. You know, we look inside, and then what we need to do is take a moment to identify, acknowledge what is going on inside of us and make a decision at that point that we are not going to give in to those emotions. We're not going to give in to just some carnal emotional reaction to what's going on around us, but we're going to identify it and we're going to allow God to work in that, in that moment. And then it says if we do that, if we humble ourselves, if we resist the devil and draw close to God and allow him to speak in our life, it says that he will come if we'll draw close to him and he'll draw close to us. So this week, you find yourself in situations where you feel yourself about to blow. You feel it, you know, you're getting a little crazy under the hood. Lean into what James says here. Look within yourself. Humble yourself. Resist the devil. Acknowledge and identify the emotion. Allow God to move and draw close to you. Will you stand to your feet this morning with me? Uh, I've heard about this, this technique a lot of different ways, but I think it has its roots in the military. Um, it's called tactical breathing. Everybody ever heard of this idea, tactical breathing? What it is is uh, they teach soldiers this technique. Uh, when they're in the heat of battle, right, you know, it's a highly stressful environment and, you know, their heartbeat gets elevated and their blood starts pumping right and the adrenaline kicks in and, and they're breathing these shallow breaths. And, and, and what can happen in that situation, if you're not careful, is there's a fight or flight instinct that will kick in in these combat uh, areas. And, and so the military has to train their soldiers to not respond uh, in this emotional way but to keep their heads. And so there's this, this technique called tactical breathing. And so the, te the technique is, is, is whenever you feel like you're losing control or like you're in this moment and uh, you, you're about to lose control, um, they teach you to breathe in through your nose for four seconds. Hold your breath for four seconds. And then you breathe out through your mouth for four seconds. If you do that for a few times, what happens is your, your, your heart rate will begin to go down. It'll get more oxygen to your brain so that you can think clearly and not respond out of just some instinctive emotional thing that happens in stressful situations. So in our lives, there's inevitably going to be stressful situation. There's a war that is 
going on around us, and there's a war that is being waged inside of us. So in those moments, I want to challenge you, and maybe this tactical breathing technique can be a reminder to you, to pause, to take a moment, to look inside of yourself and allow God that space to speak to you and to lead you. Begin to break the patterns of our past to get out, to grow, and to mature emotionally as well as spiritually in our lives. Would you all just bow your head and close your eyes with me today? I would love, you know, I, I'm just thinking, you know, if you are here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you just feel the Lord tapping you on the shoulder this morning, that, that you feel him reaching out to you, then, then I want you to, uh, I would love to have the opportunity to just introduce you to the Lord and, and to pray a simple prayer with you. And uh, what I'm going to do, if that's you, I'm going to uh, say a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. I want, if everybody could, maybe say it with us. That way no one prays alone here. Um, but if you are responding to a shoulder tap from the Lord this morning, would you just pray this? Dear God, I thank you for loving me. Everybody, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I am up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would love if, if you said that prayer this morning for the first time. It's just, it's just an acknowledgement that you want to take a step closer to Jesus. I would love for you to just raise your hand and let me know so I can be praying for you. Uh, if you said that prayer also uh, and you want to talk with somebody or you would like to find out more, we're going to have people at the front of the sanctuary here on both sides after we close. And you can come up and receive prayer. You can receive communion uh, as well. And, and talk more. But here's what I want you to know. If, if you took a step today towards Jesus, we don't do this walk alone. We do it together in a community, one with another. So if you, if you don't have uh, a group of people that you're doing uh, life with, that you're walking, trying to follow Jesus with, then we want to help you do that. So please let us know so we can connect you in some way. Um, God, I thank you for everybody in this room, Lord. I, it, i Love uh, your word, God, today, and I just believe uh, that you want us to grow spiritually, you want us to grow mature emotionally, God, and you want us to have uh, uh, lives that are free of dysfunction, lives that are free of, of bad patterns from our past. So God, give us freedom this morning, God, as we go into our week uh, in every relationship in our life, God, I pray that you would remind us, God, to take time, God, to look within to acknowledge and identify the emotion, God, and to break the patterns in our life. And we believe that you have called us, God, that you want us to be free. And so, God, we seek and ask that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, next week is Father's Day. Make sure you invite some people. Get your fathers here. It's going to be a great, great service. We love you guys. Have a great week.